Welcome to Day of Destiny with Dr. Michelle Corral, author, prophetic teacher, and pastor of Breath of the Spirit Prophetic Word Center. Dr. Corral can be seen weekly, nationwide, and around the world on her weekly telecasts that air on God TV, Impact, and Word Network. Now, let's join Dr. Corral by experiencing Day of Destiny, designed with your highest destiny in mind. Now, here is Dr. Corral. Hallelujah. Tonight, beloved saints, we are going to open our Bibles. As you know, beloved saints, we have been going through uh, the Gospels, and we have been preparing God's people for deliverance and for revival. How many of you are ready? And tonight I'm going to be speaking to you, beloved, about the roadmap to revival. Hallelujah. How many of you want to know the roadmap to revival? You know, the Bible teaches us all throughout Scripture. The Bible teaches us, beloved saints, that healing comes in so many ways. We cannot limit God to healing just one particular way. We see all throughout the scriptures that there are many different methods for the miraculous that Jesus used. As a matter of fact, some of us have limited God, and we have said that if we don't see the miraculous manifestation instantly in the service, that we are not healed. But that is totally unscriptural. The Bible tells us in John chapter 4, verse 52, when the Lord healed the nobleman's son. The Bible says that the nobleman, when his son was healed, he, he, the nobleman's son was not present with Jesus. When the healing took place, Jesus was on his road. He was on the way. And the Bible says Jesus sent the word. But the Bible tells us that the nobleman inquired as to when his son, and the Bible says, began to amend. You see, they brought the nobleman the word, your son's fever has left him. And the Bible uses the word amend. The question was, he inquired what hour that his son began to amend, meaning he didn't get a healing uh, in the sense of a miracle, but it was a gradual miracle that began to take place through the word. Sometimes healing is a process, and especially when we're dealing with deliverance. As a matter of fact, if we look at the scriptures and we go to Luke's gospel tonight, to the 17th chapter where we are going to begin we are going to see another miraculous manifestation, but we limit God so often to the sensational, and we miss the supernatural. The Bible tells us that the ten lepers were healed as they went. Say it with me. They were healed as they went. And this type of method is very powerful. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, let us look at Luke chapter 17, and we're going to put it on the screen. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 14. The Bible says, And it came to pass that as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And when he had entered into a certain village, 
there met him 10 lepers. And the Bible says, hallelujah, which stood afar off. And verse 14, skipping verse 13, going down to verse 14, it says, and when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Say it with me. As they went, they were cleansed. So often, beloved, once you've been under the anointing, this is why staying under the anointing is so important. Did you know that the effects from being in the anointing can affect you the next day? Did you know from being under the anointing in a service, it can affect you for weeks and days from being under the anointing? And this text shows us that the 10 lepers were healed as they went. The Bible says the nobleman's son began to amend. So we cannot limit God. It is a form of healing. Sometimes it doesn't mean it's a slower form. It doesn't mean it's a lesser form. It means it's a different process. Can you say that with me? A different process. Some miracles happen in the form of process. Let me give you an example of healed as they went. Many years ago in the 1980s, or it might have been the early 1990s, I think it was around the year 1990, my husband and I were in Indonesia preaching. And I'm not sure if Chewy was with us then. He went with us to one of the crusades in Indonesia, I remember. And anyway, uh, we were, we, we had gone to Indonesia. We were in a major crusade. And after the service, this is when um, many Muslims would come to Christian events. This is before radical Islam is like it is today. In those days, there would be people from various different backgrounds when they heard that there was a healing or they heard that there was going to be miracles. They would come to hear the gospel. And it was a wonderful way through healings and miracles to bring in individuals who had never known Jesus, never heard his name, to bring people from various different backgrounds like Buddhist or some of the other denomination, not denominations, but faiths, um, to come to know Christ as Savior. And after the service, there was a couple that had a child in their arms and the um, host of the event asked me to pray uh, my husband and I, to pray for this child. This child was totally gnarled. It was in its mother's hands. It was in the mother's arms. It was lifeless. The child um, looked uh, as if it had had some type of an epileptic, serious issue. The, the child could not walk. The child was completely paralyzed, and the child was very deformed. Uh, I prayed for the child, didn't think too much of it. But I realized when I came back the next year, there was a little child I went to the same, we went to the same location, and there happened to be a little child running all over the place. And after the service, the host of the meeting said, do you know who that child is? And I said, no, I do not. I failed to mention to you that the parents were Muslim. 
when they brought the child, they asked for prayer. They had never heard the name of Jesus. And the child did not get healed in the service. But as soon as they got home, they put the child in the bed and they began to hear snapping and they began to hear the bed moving and they thought something was wrong, that there was something happening like an earthquake or something of that nature because the child's bed was moving. The child's body was snapping. The power of God came over that little child and completely healed that child. And that was the child running wild in the service. Hallelujah. But the greatest miracle was that that couple, after the child was healed, came to the church where we were preaching and said, we want to become Christians. And they became baptized. Somebody ought to say amen. Come on, saints. So often, we limit God to the process. Because there is a process of deliverance, there's a process of healing, and in some cases, the Holy Ghost needs to do a deep work, and sometimes it's so holy that it cannot be in the midst of people. Hello, somebody. I'm saying sometimes it's so deep. This is why whenever we're under the anointing in a meeting, we need to be so sensitive to the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me, saints? Now, I want you to see the way that Luke begins this entire teaching on the 10 lepers who were cleansed as they went. Notice the way his introduction is. First of all, I want you to see something that's extremely important. First of all, I want you to see, dear people of God, that the context conveys extraordinary details that are not only about healing. The context is going to reveal extraordinary details that includes the itinerary of Jesus. And some of us may say, why in the world did Luke include the itinerary of Jesus before the healing of these lepers? It seems to have no connection at all. It seems to have no interconnection with the fact that the 10 lepers are going to be healed as they go. And there seems to be no real reason why is the author, who is Luke, going to tell us the itinerary of Jesus before the healing takes place. And that is because nothing in the Bible is by accident. Everything that is written in the Bible is very deliberate. And we are going to see that the actual itinerary of Jesus actually has something to do with another message that Luke wants to include to us about deliverance and healing. Are you with me, saints? If you are, say amen. Notice the way the text begins in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. The Bible says, and it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Now, I want to tell you something about the way that this is worded. 
First of all, it says he went to Jerusalem. So that does not mean he's going to Jerusalem, actually, because whenever somebody enters into Jerusalem, it's always going up to Jerusalem. You make an aliyah up to Jerusalem. And even the scripture will never say someone when they are entering into Jerusalem that they just came to Jerusalem. It will always say they went up to Jerusalem, always. All right. So if it says he went to Jerusalem, it means he's leaving. He already went there. He went to Jerusalem, and the text is going to backtrack his a road to Galilee. The Bible says he went to Jerusalem, and the scripture says, and he went through Samaria, the Bible says. He went through Samaria and came to Galilee, continued to Galilee. Now, if we really want to see what does the author have in mind here? Then we need to find another place in the scripture where this exact route is located, where this, this exact route is mentioned by one of the gospel authors. And we find it, beloved, in John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, it says he left Judea and departed into Galilee. And the Bible says in the next verse, and he said, he must needs go through Samaria. Are you hearing this? So we see that John's gospel, when he introduces the woman of Samaria, begins with this route. And Luke's gospel, when he is talking about the 10 lepers being healed also tells us about this route. And you may say, what in the world does this roadmap have to do with anything today? It has everything to do with what we're talking about because the Bible is actually showing us that there are two kinds of leprosy. The Bible is not just showing us physical leprosy because these words are used before in the context of the 10 lepers that were healed. But the Bible is also showing us a spiritual leprosy. And that is the leprosy that is revealed in the woman at the well. I hope somebody's hearing me today. So that we see because of these two identical roadmaps that are being featured for us, say roadmap to revival. So we are actually seeing that the 10 lepers that were cleansed as they went, put your hands up and say, I'm ready tonight to be healed anyway. The Lord wants me healed. Whether he wants me healed in the service or whether he wants to heal me as I go and at home, as long as I stay under the anointing and as long as the anointing is present, as long as I recognize the presence of God in my midst, are you with me, saints? Do you understand what the Holy Ghost is saying? The Bible says, if you will, that the Bible is telling us that Luke is teaching us about two types of leprosy, not only the leprosy that is physical, but because Luke inserted the route to Samaria, he is also showing us a spiritual type of leprosy. And this is why the Bible says that uh, the scripture tells us that they were healed as they went. And what do they have in common?
What type, what is the common denominator between the woman at the well and the 10 lepers? If you notice, beloved saints, the Bible tells us in Luke 17. And if we look at verse 14, we will see, beloved saints, as the Bible begins to teach us in Luke 14, that the Bible says that the lepers stood afar off. And I want you to understand, afar off is an isolation. Are you hearing this? Hallelujah. Let's go down to the next verse so that we can see it and we can go back up. The Bible says, uh, yes, go back up to verse 11. And we're going to see in verse 11. Here we go. In verse 12, it says, as they entered, verse 12, as they entered into a certain village, there met him 10 lepers, which what? Stood afar off. Can you say that with me? They stood afar off. That means they were isolated, weren't they? That means they did not feel a sense of closeness. That means that they felt as if they were separated and that they were not part of what God was doing. Hallelujah. But tonight, I want you to know that God wants to bring healing to social stigma. He wants to bring healing to shame. He wants to, healing to, to bring healing to those of you who feel like the ten lepers who stood afar off. God is saying you are not afar off. He wants to draw you into that place of intimacy with him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We're bringing down the pulpit. Hallelujah. Now I can preach. We had to do that for television, okay? Just for the people of God. Hallelujah. Please pray that it, it touches hearts. All right, now we can get down to the nitty gritty. Is that okay? All right, somebody ought to give God the glory and give God the praise. Hallelujah. All right, so there's spiritual leprosy and there's what? biological leprosy. The woman at the well had spiritual leprosy. That's why the route going through Samaria is mentioned in Luke's gospel and mentioned also to verify it in John chapter 4 when Jesus was on the route to heal the woman at Samaria. We see why was the why were these lepers standing afar off? Remember, the woman at the well came so late. She didn't go when all the women were going to get their water. She came at the heat of the day, at a time when someone is completely isolated and separated. Jesus had to send his disciples away because he sat down to have water. Are you hearing this? To get some water to drink. Hallelujah. He sat down to get water to drink, and the Bible says that she came. Now, I want you to understand, beloved saints, what's going on here. Spiritual leprosy is like a disease that is a social stigma. It comes from shame. Also, the, this, the stronghold of shame is, we must understand, is like a destructive emotion. Tonight, God wants to deliver us from strongholds of shame. 
where we feel distanced. There are some of us that have allowed shame to cut us off. We've allowed shame to stop us from the intimacy with Jesus. The lepers stood afar off. They didn't come close. That's biological leprosy. But the woman at the well, she had a social stigma of shame that we need to understand that oftentimes can cut us off from all that God has for us. Shame is a taskmaster. And it's on an, an assignment to destroy you. It is, a, it is a spirit, I want you to understand, that is assigned to belittle you. Shame, when it is an undealt with emotion, beloved saints, can actually cause, and it, it oftentimes comes from traumatic instances in our lives when we were children, or something that we went through when we were young, a traumatic instance that shamed us. And because we, as children, when we were going through it, didn't have the adult ability to process our pain. So therefore, all of our life, a spirit of shame has been like a taskmaster over us, making us feel that we have to stand afar off. I don't know if anybody understands what I'm talking about. And so today, Jesus wants to bring healing. Usually, you can detect a spirit of shame because a person with a spirit of shame oftentimes needs approval so desperately because they're trying to get rid of the shame feeling. When there are destructive emotions that oftentimes plague us. We, unless we know how to work it out in the word of God and allow Jesus to come, and unless we go through deliverance, major deliverance. And as I said, the time has come to, to decosmeticize, if you will, deliverance ministry. We need to understand deliverance ministry, and I'm going to talk to you in a moment about it, but I'm just breaking the ground here so you can receive what I'm about to say concerning spirits. Because there are some of us that have been under a taskmaster of shame, and one of the signs that shame is controlling our lives is when we need approval from everybody. Are you hearing this? I said, we need to have approval. And if we don't have approval, we don't feel safe. We crave that approval. Are you hearing this, dear saints of God? Hallelujah. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. So today, beloved saints, I want us to understand the power of the Holy Spirit and what God is doing here. First of all, I want to show you signs tonight, signs tonight on what demons fear most. Are you ready for it? Put your hands up right now and say, Holy Spirit, take me into a, such a deep anointing tonight that you show me from your word what demons fear most because I'm on an assignment to break the power of demonic oppression off of my life and off the life of those that I come in contact with. 
Say this right now. In the name of Jesus, there will be no hindering spirit to block me from receiving what God has for me right now. Just say this with me. I renounce any demonic spirit that would try to interfere with me receiving what God's got for me in this service. Are you with me? All right. First of all, I want to establish another method for the miraculous. The most in, this is the most frequented method of healing throughout the scripture. We already told you that there are some who were amended. Then we saw those who were healing at, who were healed as they went. There were times that Jesus, such as the man at the pool of Bethesda, Jesus didn't lay hands on him. The method was speaking the word. He said, rise, take up your bed and walk. And that was the method for the miraculous. Jesus never used the same method on every individual. He was led by the spirit. But I want you to understand that most of the miracles that are recorded in the gospel have something that the church has evaded for centuries. And that is that healing is associated with the departing of evil spirits. I want you to understand that. And the reason we've shut it down is we've tried to cosmeticize the gospel and we've tried to cosmeticize as well the ministry of Jesus in his healing. But you and I need to take the cover off today. Let's look at Matthew chapter 8. Uh, I just want you to see this. I'm just going to share with you a few examples of how healing is associated with the departing of evil spirits. Would you like to see that first? If you would, say amen. All right, Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. The Bible says, And when evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed. You do not have to be possessed to have demonic tyranny over your life. All right, there are some that are, but that is very rare. What you're mostly going to see, and a Christian cannot be demon-possessed. That's impossible. All right, but a, a Christian can be tyrannized. A Christian can have control in certain areas over their life where there has been a demonic spirit that has taken over, there are some people in this room that for years have sought medical treatment that nothing can help you. You've been to the best doctors. You've sought help. No one can find what's wrong with you because it's a spirit and it's coming off. I hope you understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 8 verse 16 says, last line, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Do you see the association with casting out spirits and healing the sick? If you do, say amen. All right, let's go to several scriptures. We're going to just, we're going to machine gun them down, okay? Uh, Mark chapter 1. I want you to look at Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 27. I want you to see this. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 1, 
And I'm just going to read verse 27, the last line. It says, he commands the evil spirits and they obey him. But here we're going to see in Mark chapter 1, verse 34, we're going to see the association of evil spirits and healing. Look at verse 34. Verse 34 says, and he healed many that were sick of divers diseases and what? cast out many devils notice how it's together do you see it together yeah. all right if you grammatically put it together and you use the grammar it's all one sentence in the original way that it is meant to be it says and he healed many that were sick of divers diseases and he cast out many devils do you understand that's all the same thing if you do say amen all right, let's look at another example. We've already seen just a few. We saw Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. We saw Mark chapter 1, verse 34. Let's look at Mark chapter 6, verse 13. Mark chapter 6, verse 13. Again, you're going to see the healing associated with the casting out of evil spirits. Say this with me. I'm open to any kind of healing God wants to give me. And also in the casting out of evil spirits, beloved saints, I want you to, to know that also is a process. Sometimes it happens instantly, and sometimes it happens like all day long. All right, you have to be able to sense the power of the Holy Spirit on it. Let's, let's look at Mark 16, I mean, excuse me, Mark 6, verse 13. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Do you see that association? Hallelujah. Do you see that association? So we're seeing casting out devils and healing the sick are going together in all of the verses, whether it is the disciples of Jesus or whether it is Jesus. Are you seeing that? All right, let's look at another one. I'm only sharing with you a few. Let's go to Luke chapter 8, the most famous one. Luke chapter 8, verse 2. I want to show you this association of casting out of evil spirits and infirmities. There are not all sicknesses are associated with demonic power, but many sicknesses are associated with demonic tyranny. Are you with me? Tonight, the tyranny of the taskmaster is coming down. Hallelujah. We're going to expose demonic power tonight. And tonight I'm going to show you what demons fear most. Luke chapter 8 verse 2 says, And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits. Notice, healed of evil spirits. Say it with me, healed of evil spirits. Certain women that have been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of who went seven devils. Now, I want you to understand something. Tonight, we're just going to go a drive through what demons fear most. But I want you to know that demons usually come in gangs. Maybe you didn't know that. There's attachments of spirits together. They operate in gangs. And the Bible here says not all of them, but most of them, and I'm going to show you reference for that. 
And we also need to see, beloved saints, this says seven devils. Do you realize that we find this in Luke again in another place? Luke is telling something about sevens and demons together in sevens. Because we see in Luke eleven twenty nine when the un twenty excuse me twenty four through twenty six when the unclean spirit is gone out of the man he seeketh dry places and when he can find none he walketh through the Bible says he walketh through dry places I wanted to see what that actually meant he walketh through dry places because demonic spirits are disembodied spirits. They're disembodied. This is why the demons that were inside the demoniac of the Gadarenes needed to have a body to inhabit, but there were only pigs. They attach themselves because they want to dwell somewhere in a habitation. So the Bible says, if you're looking at it, the Bible says in... Luke chapter 11, verse 24, the Bible says, when the unclean spirit goeth out of the man, he walketh through dry places. So I wanted to see walketh through, that doesn't sound right. No demon is going to go walking. So I looked it up in the Greek, and it actually says, passeth through dry places. Dry places. Turn to your neighbor and say, you better be careful that there's no dry places. Say this with me. I'm not going to be subject to any demonic tyranny by not being under the anointing. Hello? I'm not going to be subject to any demonic tyranny by getting out of being under the anointing. He passes through dry places seeking rest. And when he findeth none, he says, I will return to my house from whence I came out. And the Bible says, and when he comes, he finds the house swept and garnished. It doesn't mean cleaned up, ready to go. It means swept out of what there's already a robbing spirit. See, the devil started to exact. He started to take a little bit of joy. He started to take a little bit of sacrifice. He started to take a little bit of zeal. He started to take a little bit of vision. He started to take a little bit of prayer life. He started to take a little bit of whatever it is. And lo and behold, nothing is left. The house is swept and garnished. And the Bible says, then he taketh to him, notice this concept of seven, seven other demons that are more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. What else do we learn about that? We learn all demonic spirits are not the same. They don't all have the same degree of wickedness. Bible is saying here, seven other demons more wicked than themselves. So right now you might be messing around with a real weak demon. But you know something? You can't play with that demon. You need to get rid of it now. And let me tell you something. It's not up just 
for a person to lay hands on you and that demon to go. You've got to want it to leave. You've got to push yourself to say, I am not going to take this. I renounce it. And I renounce the behavior that it brings. I renounce the depression that it brings. I renounce the lethargy that it brings. I renounce the fatigue that it brings to my body. I want you to fight. Are you hearing that? Some of us need to hear this because we're getting ready to go somewhere where there's going to be a lot of warfare and we better be ready for it. Are you hearing this, saints? All right, so I want us to see very quickly, very quickly, we're not going to be long, but I want to show you, beloved saints, what demons fear most. Are you ready? All right, first of all, I want you to see that demons fear most worship. Worship in the atmosphere and worship from a life. How do you know, Dr. Corral? Well, let's just watch it. Let's just see what they fear most. Notice, the Bible says in Mark's gospel, let's go to Mark chapter 5, and we're going to look, beloved saints. Uh, first, let's go to Mark 7. We're going to see the Syrophoenician woman first. Mark chapter 7, verses 25 and 26, and verse 30, we also see the Syrophoenician woman in Matthew's gospel, but we're choosing Mark's. It says, a certain woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit, heard of him, and she came and what? She came and what? She did what? She fell at his feet. If you are being oppressed and you are dealing with demonic power, you got to fight it. But the way you're going to fight it is you got to surround yourself with real worship. Amen. Now, I want you to know, there's a huge difference between worship and praise. Praise is wonderful, but there is a little tendency for praise to, in a sense, the outward emotions get involved. And it's not purely for God, it's also for us. So we feel a little sensation. We feel really good when we praise. But sacrifice, worship, it involves humility. You have to be in a posture of such humility to praise. And that's uh, to worship. And that's exactly what demons fear. They fear real worship. They fear that you, in your home, in your heart, that atmosphere of worship, they can't stand it. It torments them. It causes them to become unmanned. Are you hearing this? This woman that was a Greek, hallelujah. Look at the scripture. Read the next verses. Verse 26. And she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children first be filled, the children first to be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, yet but the dogs eat under the, t under the table, eat of the children's crumbs. And the Bible says, 
And he said unto her, for this saying, go your way, the devil is gone out of your daughter. But notice she initially began with worship. Go with me to Mark chapter 5. Hallelujah. And again, we're talking about devils coming in gangs. What about the demoniac of the Gadarenes? Is he just one in a million? No. If you notice, in Mark chapter 7, and again, departing from the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, he came to Decapolis. And I want us to see verse 25 is the verses that we want, 25 and 26. Mark chapter 7, verse 25. Uh, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 5, verses 2 through 6. Mark chapter 5, verses 2 through 6. We're going to the demoniac of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, meaning Jesus, immediately there met him a man of the tombs with an unclean spirit. Notice verse two, 3. And his dwelling was among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Going down, beloved saints, to verse 6. The Bible says, and when he saw Jesus afar off, what did he do? He ran and he worshiped him. Are you hearing me? Yes. Say the door to my deliverance is worship. Say this with me. What demons fear most is worship unto the Lord. They fear it so desperately. They hate worship. Are you hearing this? If you are, say amen. Hallelujah. Now, beloved saints, so we see falling on our face releases the grace. Say it with me. Falling on my face releases the grace of deliverance. Say it again. Falling on my face releases the grace of deliverance. Okay, let's see the second thing that demons hate most. I want you to see the second thing that demons hate most, it makes demons desperate, is that we must understand that when they see Jesus, when they actually see Jesus, if you notice, you are going to see that demons have the ability to know, they have the ability to see. They have the ability to, to assess you. They have the ability to know who you are. If you remember, when Jesus was in the synagogue, the man with the unclean spirit shouted out and said, I know who you are. And remember, in Acts chapter 19, verses 11 through 13, when the sons of Sceva wanted to come and cast out evil spirits. And they said, Paul I know, or Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? So by that statement, remember demons can talk as well. I said demons can talk as well. 
Some of you may not realize it, but you might have been communicating with the demon with all those thoughts in your mind that need to come out of your brain tonight. They need to come out of your mind. You need to renounce those thoughts. Thoughts of suicide. Thoughts of leaving the Lord. Thoughts of giving up hope. Thoughts of giving up on God. Thoughts of saying my life is worthless. In the name of Jesus, you need to stop communicating with demonic power. Turn to your neighbor and say, shut it down tonight. Hello, I said, shut it down tonight. Notice, I want you to see this. Let's go to Mark continuing in Mark and the demoniac of the Gadarenes. The Bible says, notice Mark chapter 5, they're going to be cast out. This is what they really fear. The Bible says, what have we to do with you? Notice the demons talking to Jesus. And notice he says, what have I to do with you? I, one, say one. What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? Now watch this. I adjure you by God that you torment me not. What does I adjure you mean? In the Greek, it means swear an oath. A demon is telling Jesus to swear an oath. And do you know how desperate he is here? He wants him to swear an oath that he's not going to cast him out. Because he, a disembodied spirit, doesn't want to leave because it needs rest in a human being. It needs rest in a body. Do you understand? Are you hearing this? Or are we, are we now, we have to graduate out of pablum and get ready for end time warfare. Are you hearing this, saints? That you torment me not. Look at the next verse, verse 8. Hallelujah, verse 8. And he said unto him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Notice the next verse. Jesus asked him. Now I want you to understand Jesus isn't asking him what is your name because he didn't know it. He did know it. He's training his disciples. His disciples are being trained to cast out demons. That's their most important ministry. Are you hearing this? He asked him, what is your name? Very important you know what kind you're dealing with. So often, we're trying to cast out a devil, and the devil's just not moving. It's not going anywhere because we're not examining with discernment what we're dealing with. The Bible says, he asked him, what is your name? And he said, my name is legion for we gang the gangs again are many are you hearing this did you see this did you see how they go in packs together or are we just blind that sometimes when we got a spirit of fear
fear. We have a spirit of anxiety. We have a spirit of rejection. I want you to understand they go together. But tonight, God wants to break it up and he wants to cast it out. And he, notice the one voice speaking, he besought him much that he would not send him away out of the country. This is our territory. Don't make us leave. We want to stay in this body. Please, I adjure you, swear to me. The Bible says, and there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine. He's got to send it into something unclean. I said, demons inhabit that which is unclean. That's why our homes have to be sanctuaries of God. That's why our eyes can't behold evil things. I hope you're hearing this. Because demons inhabit unclean things. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. amen. And the devils besought him, saying, send us into the swine that we may enter them. They wanted to enter a body. The Bible says, Jesus forthwith gave them leave and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. They had to obey Jesus. And the herd went violently down the steep and I, I know those herds were screaming. I know those herds didn't just run. They were screaming a loud screech, 2,000 of them that actually echoed through the whole territory. People heard it in Tiberias. People heard it in Galilee. People heard it in Capernaum. They knew something was happening. Are you hearing this? So that they that fed the, they that fed the swine fled. They're frightened to death. They never seen anything like this before. Are you hearing me? Because the kingdom of God has come. We need to understand what Jesus meant. If I cast out devils through the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Are you hearing this, saints? What demons fear most? They don't want to leave the body and they want another body to inhabit. Are you hearing me? Yes. So number one, they fear worship. Number two, they want to inhabit something. So your house cannot have the accursed thing in it. You can't have something that you picked up in Indonesia that was so beautiful. It's got curses all over it. Hello, somebody. You can't pick up an African mask that you found in Africa that just looks nice and cost you $5,000. Child, you better break that African mask. Hello, somebody, are you with me? 
And I've got this special ring somebody gave me. It's a Freemason ring. Oh, really? Freemasonry will put a curse on you so fast because Freemasonry worships, pretends to worship God, but also worships Baal, and it's in the name, that special God that they have allegiance to. There was a story once of a young girl who had a child that was actually like six months old, but it only looked like it was six days old. It couldn't eat. And they brought it to this individual, this couple, this couple that was very anointed, that went on to be with the Lord in the last generation, God's generals. Generals of deliverance. They brought the child to them. And the wife, when she was ministering with a husband, had a word of knowledge. And the word of knowledge was, this girl's father was involved in masonry. And as the man of God put his hand on the girl who had the baby, the wife caught the baby when she went down. But the wife started screaming because that spirit came out. But at the same time, the wife screamed like a screech, so did the baby. That thing came out of the wife and also came out of the baby at the same time. Hello, somebody. So that days later, they came back to the couple and said the baby's been eating nonstop. The baby was totally healed because the accursed thing was brought out. Are you hearing this? Somebody ought to give God the praise and the glory. Hallelujah. I'm going to close with this. Go with me to Luke chapter 4, verse 21. Luke chapter 4, verse 21. I want you to see. Hallelujah, Jesus, we worship you and we give you praise. I feel so led by the Holy Spirit as we close because we're going to pray for you and then we have an incredible ordination today. Are you excited about that for Jesus? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Luke chapter 4, uh, verse, actually verse 31, not 21. The Bible says he came down to Capernaum, a city in Galilee, and he taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil. And he cried out loud, saying, let us, again you have the gang working together. Let us alone. What do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Notice this is the same thing that the demoniac at the Gadarene said. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him and said, come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out and heard him not. Hallelujah. We see oftentimes when devils leave, there is a shriek. When devils leave, sometimes, beloved saints, there's, there's a shriek or there is 
There is a shriek or there is a, uh, besides the shriek, there can be a sound that is like a cry. Sometimes the strength of a person comes out. Sometimes, I'm just telling you some of the manifestations so you know how not to think it's strange. When a spirit leaves, you have to give God time to work. It may not happen all at once. It may not happen in 15 minutes in a service. If you notice many of the deliverances that Jesus performed said it happened that hour, the same hour that person was delivered. Meaning that it takes time that we have to cooperate with the grace of God. Are you with me, saints? Do you understand? But the Bible says here, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Go with me for a moment to Acts chapter 16 and look at verse 16. Acts 16, verse 16. I'm going to show you something. A mocking spirit, but knows who you are. I said a mocking spirit, but it knows who you are. Are you with me? Are you hearing this? The Bible says, and it came to pass when we went to prayer, meaning Luke and Paul and the company that was with Paul. When we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying, saying, the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. Is there anything wrong with that? No, there isn't. Is she saying the truth? Yes, she is. So first of all, we know not only from uh, Luke chapter 4, Verses 31 through 34, which we were just reading a moment ago, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. We also saw that in the demoniac of the Gadarenes. We also saw that when we read it from Luke chapter, or excuse me, Acts chapter 19, and we saw from verses 11 through 13, verse 13 saying, Paul, I, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Here we have further evidence that demons know who we are. They know what assignment we're on because this girl is telling us the very assignment that Paul and Silas were on. They know why you've been sent to a certain place. Are you hearing this? They've examined you. They know what your background is. They have your profile. Maybe you didn't know that they got the data. You know, some of us say, I'm trying to hide the data on my life. But I got news for you. There are some demonic spirits that have been assigned to take you out that already got your data. I hope somebody understands what I'm talking about today. This young girl, Bible says, the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God, and they show us the way of salvation. But she's possessed with a spirit of divination. But she keeps crying behind them. 
It's really a mocking spirit. It's a cover-up, so you never suspect that it's really a demonic spirit to mess up the anointing. That's exactly why that girl was on an assignment. The Bible says, this she did many days. And Paul being grieved. What does that mean? It means the Holy Ghost in him was so grieved because the anointing could not flow. Because this girl is in disguise. She came saying exactly who they were. She came exactly saying what their assignment was. I want you to know that the enemy knows your assignment. The enemy knows your name. He has allowed uh, people, don't look at me. I want you to understand. I don't want you to look at me tonight like we're speaking something out of uh, another planet. I want you to understand this is where we're going. We are going in the realm of warfare. And if you don't know how to fight it. Thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny. We invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. That's HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast.